is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Hey, it's Jacqueline with SystemsForSelfCare.com, where I teach you to consistently take daily action so you can feel happier, healthier, and more confident. Today, I have a real-life friend on the podcast. Mary Connolly, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jacqueline. How are you? I'm good. This will be fun. Um, I love hearing your stories about running and about life. I think that that's like the big thing. But I always like to get started with, you know, kind of hearing about how you got started with running. Were you a runner in like seventh grade or high school cross country? Was that, was that you growing up? No, not at all. I, I was actually the, the, you know, when we had field day, I, I was the kid that wanted to go cry because everybody else beat me. You know, I was just so super slow and I didn't think, you know, running was for me at all. Um, but I was always an athlete, you know, so I, you know, I played softball, I played basketball, I played soccer actually through college, but I, I was the goalkeeper specifically so I wouldn't have to run. Um, <laughs> and I somehow, you know, managed to get through, you know, NCAA soccer um, with a, a, a minimal amount of running. And, and it wasn't till I actually didn't start running till I was 30. So, That's me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's, you know, there's sort of two groups of runners. There's the, you know, the, the, you know, high school and college athletes. Um, and then there's the people who are looking for either an adult sport like I was, or people who, um, just, you know, feel the need to, to do something healthy. Um, you know, or a lot of the women that I coach are actually, um, empty nesting moms who suddenly realize, wow, 50 isn't as old as I thought it was going to be. The kids aren't here. I have nothing to do. I'm a little out of shape and I want to do something super life affirming. Totally. Yeah. So take me to when you decided to start running. So you're, you were turning 30 and what changed? Yeah. So I, I was, it was more of a career transition that uh, sparked my, my running. And I had, after college wound up going into sales because I was a little lazy and that was the job that presented itself to me. But I kind of realized after um, a number of years that I just didn't really want to do that. So I wound up going to um, going back to school um, uh, for a certificate in event marketing at NYU. I was working in New York at the time. So I was doing that after work. And the first class that I took was an events public relations class. And it was taught by a woman named Raleigh Mayer, who was the head of public relations for the New York Roadrunners. And, you know, all the class handouts were about their events. A lot of, you know, the people that came to present were sponsors for the marathon, you know. So I just started looking at, you know, all all this stuff. And seeing all these people, you know, she showed videos of the marathon and I'm like, look, look, I'm like, wow, those look like really slow, ordinary people. And, you know, why can't I do that? So I honestly sat in that class and said, I'm going to run the New York City Marathon. And I hadn't, I mean, at that time, I couldn't even run to the end of the block. (laughs) So I'm proud to say that it took me about two and a half years from, from that, you know, realization that I wanted to do this to actually finishing the marathon, but I did it. I think and... it's, it's one of those cool things though, where it's like, like it could have like had the, the marketing been about like a, a beauty salon or something like, but for it to be about running to like the, the chain of events that had to happen to bring you to there. Oh, yeah. And, and then what, what was really amazing. And I think the reason why I stuck with running, um, is that in, in, Thankfully, I I set my sights. Um, One of the guest speakers in that class was the woman who started the corporate challenge for um, at the at that time, like manufacturers Hanover Bank, which, you know, morphed into Chase and JP Morgan. Um, So I I said to myself, let let me get a corporate challenge team together at, at my company. We could use a team building exercise. So that was the corporate challenge was my first race. Um. So in, in starting, I actually did that first without even really training. Um, thankfully, it was 95 degrees in Central Park that night. So I used the heat as an excuse for my poor performance and said to myself, okay, if I'm not going to embarrass myself next year, I better actually start training. And so that's when I started 
you know, I started running and, you know, just like anybody starts, you, you know, you, you run a block, you walk a block, you run a block, you walk a block, you go out the next day and maybe you can run two blocks and you gradually start running more and walking less. And the one thing that I found is that on the days that I ran, when I got to work, I had such better mental clarity and, you know, I, I was suddenly managing my ADHD a little bit better. Um, and I was just really amazed at what I was able to produce. So, so in launching my running career, I also launched my, what became my nonprofit career. I didn't realize that was where I was going at the time, but when, um, you know, from after getting my certificate in event marketing, I got a director of development, a director of special events job with a, um, with a nonprofit. And that's pretty much where I stayed and was able to use some of my sales experience to go into, um, you know, fundraising, but, you know, it was really this, you know, this, this balance between, you know, my, my running and having that mental clarity and, and what I was able to achieve professionally. So can you tell, talk a little bit more about that, the mental clarity and like, like what, when you say that, what changed? Because for a lot of people, exercising the morning is really hard for them and it feels like a stressful thing, but it, it does help change the rest of your day versus doing it at the end of the night. Oh, it, it really does. And, you know, I, a lot of people will say to me, oh, but Mary, you're a morning person. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I am not a morning person. Never have been a morning person. Um, and I would say that when I started getting up, um, I had actually, um, before I started running, I used to get up in the morning, like a half an hour earlier, just to, just to do some sort of exercise. I used to have like, you know, the dating myself now, but like, you know, (laughs) VCR tapes of, you know, various exercise routines that I would alternate. And so I was already kind of getting up and I understood that, um, sort of getting those endorphins going was a good thing, um, before I started my day, but, running just took that to a whole new level. And, and, you know, it, and that was what surprised me. I didn't, you know, it, it was, you know, I, I felt myself starting to go to go to work and, you know, suddenly saying to my coworkers, Hey, you know, that, that challenge that we had yesterday. Well, when I was running this morning, I figured it out, you know, and that's, and that's what it was because I think, you know, I, I, have since taken up meditation too. And I find that running has a lot of the same properties as meditation, you know, although you don't, you know, shut out, you know, the kind of the outside world, you're still, um, you know, your mind is still affected by, you know, what you're seeing and hearing and smelling on the run. You, you, there is that, that letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, um, you you know your your mind is sort of free and i think that allows you to problem solve and to think and i mean i have come you know to so many really bizarre conclusions you know like all of a sudden you're running and you're like wait a minute <laughs> you know i know the answer to that problem you know i know how i'm going to work through that where i don't know if you were ever like sitting around obsessing about the issue that you would come to the same conclusion it's the, it's in freeing the mind and sort of being somewhat meditative and that's probably why i don't run with music i mean i used to run with music when i first started um and then you know one day i just decided let me try it without and um you know i think that you know, was, was another level that I stepped up in, in, you know, that mental clarity. Yeah. I think that's a cool, like an, I think of it as like an evolution of like running is like, you can like, you start with just like, okay, cool. I'm going to run a block and walk a block or whatever. For me, it was like, I'm going to listen to a song on Pandora and then walk or run for a song and walk. But like, it can be really simple like that. And then you kind of like move and gradually. And I think it's important to talk about that so that, because people think like, oh, I'm supposed to go out there and just be able to run 26.2 miles. I'm supposed to go run 3.1 miles. And it's like, no, it can be gradual like that. And you let go and you try harder things as you go. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, um, you know, in any project management, you know, I mean, it's good to keep the big picture, you know, out there so that, so that you know where you're headed, 
but you, you want to tackle the project in bite-sized pieces that make it more manageable. And, you know, anybody that looks at 26.2 miles, like that's pretty daunting. Um, so when you, you know, you start your training, you really just have to focus on this week. Um, and that's why having a coach is kind of good because you don't have the whole training plan laid out in front of you and start looking at it going, Oh my God, I'm supposed to run 18 miles. And like how many weeks from now? Um, you know, so they just give you the plan for this week. When Mm -hmm. I work with, with my clients, I just give them the plan for this week. Um, and I mostly work with, with beginner runners. So, um, you know, when people, and, and I usually, I generally work with women, um, but in the, in the 5k beginner groups that I've done, you know, people will show up at the first workout and it's, it's literally run a minute, walk a minute for 20 minutes. Right. And they're just like, oh my God, I don't like, I don't know how I'm ever going to, you know, run a 5k. And I'm like, don't worry about that. Now this week's workout is run a minute, walk a minute. And what I love and why I love working with beginners is that, you know, a few weeks into this, like they're, they're just so happy with themselves that they have been able to progress the way they have. And I think, um, you know, that's, that's, what's really important about, you know, training for anything is, is not biting off more than you can chew like mentally. So just, you know, just take one step at a time, you know? Definitely. I mean, that's how we learn anything, but we just like former kindergarten teacher. I'm like, right. Like, like I don't hand a Harry Potter book to a kindergartner. You're starting with letters. Right. But we forget that as adults and we think like, well, no, I'm an adult. I should be able to know how to do this. Oh, I'm not able to do this. I guess it's not for me, but it literally is just bite-sized pieces one after the other. Take me to your first marathon though. So we, we chatted about that in the beginning. You saw, Oh, the New York marathon. I'm going to run this. You said it took you two and a half years from that class to getting out there and doing it? Yeah. So the, the, so the, the first year, so I, 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 I took that class in like February, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the first class. And then, um, I did the corporate challenge that next summer. So that was, that was the first thing, but at that point I really didn't train, you know, so then I didn't really start training or doing any kind of like regular running until, um, until March of the following year. And, um, so that was, that was March of 96. Mm -hmm. So I am now, um, well into 30, (laughs) approaching 31 and, you know, just started really gradually. And I, and I said, okay, for the first six months, I'm just going to try to get out and run like at least, you know, two or three miles every other day. And that was just, that was my commitment. And that's where, when you're talking about, um, you know, becoming a morning person in order to get this done, you know, that's when, you know, I made this commitment to get out in the morning because I was working in New York city. I was living in Northern New Jersey. I had an hour commute. So, you know, I knew I'd be too tired when I got home. So I had no other option, but that's when the first three months were horrible, you know? And then, you know, they, like, they, I think they say that it takes like 30 days to, you know, uh, form a habit. I think it might take a little bit longer, but, you know, I had to make a conscious decision. I am mm. getting myself out of bed for the first two or three months. And then before I knew it, like I would literally be out running by the time I really consciously realized I was awake, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So, so that was, so that was kind of that transition into, okay, I guess I am a little bit of a morning person, you know, and I used to go out, I wouldn't have breakfast. I didn't have coffee, nothing. I would just, I would just put my clothes on and go run. Um, I don't do that anymore. I, I need coffee. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like 25 years later and I definitely need coffee. Um, but so, you know, so I did that and then I started, um, in, uh, so November of, uh, 96 rolled around. I had, you know, been running now for about six months. I had, you know, reached my commitment of running every other day. And I said, okay, the marathon is a year away. I'm going to do the marathon next year, November of 97, I'm doing the New York city marathon. And it never occurred to me that I wouldn't get in, you know, like you, like the lottery probably wasn't as competitive as it is now, Yeah, 
but there was still a lottery and it was the weirdest thing. Like it wasn't online registration. You had to line up in central park to get an application. And then you had to mail the application. Mail. Certain date <laughs> had to be mailed. So everybody would line up in central park to get the application and then they would fill out the application and then like be lining up outside the main New York city post office on eighth Avenue at like midnight on the day that you were allowed to mail it so that it wouldn't be postmarked early. And, but I went through all of this and it still never occurred to me that I wouldn't get in. Right. And I got in, you know, I think I sort of manifested my, my (laughs) marathon entry. So I don't remember exactly when I found out that I was like actually going to be doing the marathon. I think it was probably in January or February of 97. And then um, I just, I, um, my, the, the teacher uh, at, at NYU from the New York Roadrunners gave me a book, which was the New York Roadrunners um, Complete Guide to Running. And when I, when I told her that I was, I wanted to do the marathon. So I, just read the entire book from cover to cover and they had, you know, a beginner marathon training program. And if it told me to run seven miles on Thursday and 14 miles on Sunday, I did exactly what it said. Um, and I got to the marathon start line and the finish line. And it was, I think one of the most, um, you know, really game changing events of my life, you know, um, you know, I have already, said how I feel like running changed my career, but finishing the marathon suddenly gave me this confidence boost that, you know, I mean, suddenly I was like presenting ideas at work and it never occurred to me that anybody would, you know, shut them down. And, you know, in my confidence, I got a lot more done and I got like a lot more through than I ever would have before. Um, And that's when I started, you know, directing my own races and, you know, organizing fundraisers around running. So, um, and now my whole life is running. (laughs) (laughs) I had a business coach that would talk about like the confidence, confident competence loop that like the more you do things, the more confident you get, but like you, you have to do something. So do you think that that was it? Like accomplishing this thing proved to you that like you could do hard things? Oh yeah. And you know, because you know, well, here, here is a, here's a funny story. So a couple of, um, probably a couple of weeks or months before the marathon, I, I, uh, entered a race in central park, um, you know, just to kind of get familiar with part of the course. And, and before the race, I ran into a woman that I had played basketball with in high school. She was one of the stars. I was the bench warmer, you know, and, you know, she looks at me and she's like, wow, what are you doing here? You know? And I said, oh, I'm running the 10 K. And she's like, really you, <laughs> you know? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm training for the New York city marathon this year. And she's like, oh, interesting. You know? So we started the race and we kind of lost track of each other. And then, you know, here I'm coming into the final stretch to the finish and I see her just ahead of me. And I'm like, damn, I'm going to beat her. And so I just like put it into high gear and just passed just in front of her. And, you know, that was, you know, that was like, that was like a little like celebration for, you know, high school, Mary, who (laughs) warmed the bench, you know? Um, And so that was, that was kind of like the start of those, um, you know, because I think a lot of times like running in, in, elementary school and high school is actually like a demotivator for a lot of people. I know it was for me. Um, you know, and that's why I, I think that it's, um, like there probably needs to be more done with, you know, kids sports and stuff, but that's probably a conversation for another day. Um, but you know, I'm, you know, I, I work with a lot of women now that where we're, we're kind of making up for that now, you know, um, you know, we're doing something life affirming. I, um, I volunteer my time actually to coach a group from Gilda's club. Um, and you know, for your, uh, listeners who are not, um, uh, familiar with Gilda's club, it's a cancer support community, um, 
I was actually the CEO of the Gildas Club in Hackensack, New Jersey, before I moved to Chicago. And um, it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful community. They offer support groups and lectures and workshops and all stuff like that. And so one of the workshops is a beginner 5K program that I started for Gildas Club Chicago in 2019. And, you know, it's it's all it's women who some women who used to run who are trying to get back to it after cancer treatment um some of it is um you know people who just want to do something life affirming after surviving cancer so um men are welcome too it's but i just it turns into be more of a women's group for some reason so um but you know i i I see that a lot of the same things that happen with my, my regular beginners groups is, you know, like, you know, they show up on the first day and they're just like, wow, how am I going to get through this? Or, you know, I had one runner who used to run half marathons and was now like, wow, my cancer treatment just took me back down to zero. And, you know, she cried after that, that first, uh, workout. Um, but they all got to the finish line of their first 5k, you know, 10 weeks later, um, and you know, that, you know, obviously is good for them, but it makes me feel good too. <laughs> These are the fun conversations that I have about running. Like I was, I like, I can't stand talking about the mechanics of running or running shoes. And like, sometimes those conversations are fun, but like, these are the big things like, like a survivor of cancer being able to get out there and move their body and feel like, feel like ownership of their body again, and being able to go and do hard things like that is huge. Oh, it is. You know, you know, I, I, I say this all the time, but running is more than running, you know, um, you know, for me, like the first thing that I realized was that, you know, running gave me a big career boost, but, you know, after that, you know, um, I, I was, a, I became a runner before I became a parent. Um, but, you know, then, you know, then there was the stress of having, you know, a small child to care for. And, you know, then there was the stress of having a school age child working full time and having elderly parents that needed my attention. And then and then there was the dealing with the grief and loss of losing my parents. And and so, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, my relationship with running has has changed to being like you know, the motivator to get things done at work and to soar professionally to, you know, just keeping things together and having, um, you know, I, I, I'll say often like running is my therapy, you know, um, I lost my husband in 2014 and, you know, managing the grief and loss through that. And, you know, the, what I did, um, I, it, it's kind of a long story, but I'm a, I'm a cancer survivor myself. And, um, I actually was diagnosed with cancer 11 weeks into an 18 week training program for the New Jersey marathon in 2014. Thankfully it was a slow growing cancer. My doctor thought that the benefits of continuing my training and running the marathon outweighed the risk of putting off my surgery until after the marathon. So I, I ran the marathon. It actually wound up being my best marathon time ever. I think I was pretty motivated, you know? Um, but because I wasn't sure for a while there that I was going to be able to run the New Jersey marathon, which is a spring marathon, I, um, I, I registered for the Chicago marathon, you know, um, because why wouldn't you do that after a cancer diagnosis, you know? So I, I had registered for Chicago, but then when I was able to do, um, uh, New Jersey in 2014, I, um, uh, deferred Chicago till 2015. So what wound up happening is that I was scheduled to run Chicago, um, like five days after the one year anniversary of my husband's death. So my husband died in, in October of 2014. And that entire year in managing my grief, I was working on training for the marathon and I was working on raising money for the um, American foundation for suicide prevention, um, which uh, is how he died. And it, 
it gave me so so much meaning in my life at that time. Um, it gave me something to focus on. Um, it it gave me you know that um, that therapy that you know that time to kind of be alone and work through some of my angst um, so that I could be a better parent. Um, and it also made me feel like I was doing something for the cause by raising money. So it it was just a tremendous experience being able to, to do that and to get to that first anniversary, um, of his death, the way that I have. And, and, you know, my relationship with running continues to evolve. You know, I thankfully have, um, I'm now married to my second husband and he is a runner and, you know, that's something that, that we share and our friends are runners and, you know, running is just a big part of our, our life together. So, um, you know, but we, you know, we constantly talk about, you know, as we get older and we're not, you know, like, I mean, I've now, I'm now training for marathon number 11, which will be eight marathons in eight years. And, you know, this training cycle has been a little tough and I'm like, you know, do I want to keep doing marathons or do I want to, you know, start doing other things? Like sometimes you just want to go out and just run and just enjoy the run and not think about why you're doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a good balance to have that. I think sometimes when you're training for a race, it keeps you going, like you're going to go do those long distances and long on long distance runs. You sort out a lot of things that you don't sort out on a short run. Oh, sure. I'm thinking of all of the books that I've read recently, um, but The Body Keeps the Score, he talks about how movement is so good for sorting things out. And then I also had a um, a psychologist on the podcast that was talking about bilateral movement and EMDR and how that helps. But like all of these things that like movement... um, movement is just so good for our soul. It's so good for our mental health. It's so good for sorting those things out in life. And like you said, just like having a purpose, something to work towards. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I mean, you know, any, um, you know, any doctor will recommend for their patients, whether it's to, to lose weight or to have a, a better mental health balance, um, will recommend exercise. Um, you know, it's a great stress reliever and, you know, what's really interesting. And, and, um, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but there was a study that was done in, um, in 2014. And I, I can't, I don't remember the names of the researchers at all, but basically what they researched was, um, you know, fortune 1000 companies and, um, and whether or not the CEO had run a marathon. And what they concluded was that the companies that were run by, you know, marathon finishing CEOs were actually more valuable. And that the, uh, where there was a higher level of stress, where like the CEO was either older or sat on a lot of boards or the company was going through like a merger or acquisition or something like that, that the company was actually even more valuable. So, you know, so that goes back to my, my original feeling of, wow, my career is really taking off since I started running. And, you know, I, I can't believe that, you know, like every corporation doesn't have like running programs, you know, because it's such an easy exercise, you know, you don't have, I mean, we all know we spend a lot of money on running from, you know, our watches to our apparel, to our shoes or whatever, but we don't have to, right. You know, you can go out and start running. I mean, I remember the first time I went out, I, I went for a run. It was in March. It was cold. There was still snow on the ground in a pair of like old Asics cross trainers and a ski jacket, you know, like, so you don't need all the fancy equipment to get started. You're going to want it eventually, but it's not necessary. Right. Which is why I relate so much to your story. Cause that literally like that was running when I started, I started running cause I did not like my job as a teacher and I needed a stress relief. I needed a hobby. I needed some sort of form of therapy for myself. And it was that I went outside and ran with whatever shoes I had, whatever jacket it was. I didn't have a special training plan. It wasn't I didn't know anything about running. I didn't know about dynamic <laughs> warmups. I didn't know about anything, but like I knew that I could walk out my front door and I could put one foot in front of the other. And that was yeah. it. That was it. That was it. 
Um, yeah, I am. Um, I was, um, I had to drop my daughter off at a friend's house um, and wound up, it was one of these like really nice springy days in like February, you know? So I, I just went out for a run and right after I had dropped her off, but I, I wound up going for a run in a place that I had actually run before, but didn't remember that I had done it. And it, it all of a sudden, like, you know, running down the path, I remembered, oh my God, like, this is where I was. And it was before I had even started running. And I, you know, was in a relationship on and off relationship with somebody and had gotten in a little argument with them and just walked away and decided to just go for a run. Right. And, and it, and this, this argument kind of started at the beach. So I basically went for a run on this path, barefoot, jean shorts, and like a bikini top. Okay. And I just ran as far and as fast as I could just to like, like, you know, to, you know, to keep myself from strangling somebody basically. And, you know, and, and I, and when I, I ran that route more recently and remembered that experience, I was like, wow, like I did understand this even before I was conscious of understanding this, you know. You sent me a blog. Um, we were talking about, oh, how I wear a black shirt every day. Like I'm wearing a black shirt right now and I didn't even tell <laughs> But like, I just simplify everything with my breakfast and with my clothes and with exercise because my head, I just, I just can't. There's too many choices. But you sent me a blog about being diagnosed with ADHD as an adult and how you realized you had created all these systems for yourself to stay organized, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I guess, you know, ADHD did not become a diagnosis till I was in college. So when I was in like elementary school, I recognized that I had some sort of problem. (laughs) My parents probably recognized it, but nobody really knew what it was or what to do with it. But I remember my dad, like I could never be, I was never on time for the school bus in the morning. Like my parents were just like frantically trying to get me out the door. And, you know, my father said, you you know, you need to realize you got to be out waiting for the school bus at whatever time it was, 830. Um, So figure out how long it takes you to get everything done and kind of back into that, you know? So, so he was the first person that started helping me set up like little systems and structures, but I had like a little, you know, this, we're talking fifth grade. I had like a little chart on my wall that was like, you know, 830 got to be at the bus. That means you have to walk downstairs at 825. You got to, you know, and so I had all these little sort of checks that, you know, I needed to, you know, get dressed at this time and eat breakfast at this time and, you know, not dilly dally in between those things um, and really stay focused. And, you know, that was, that was the first step in, in, in learning how to kind of manage my time. And, you know, I, I've realized, um, you know, as I've gotten older, there are times when it's easy and times when I've struggled. And I think anyone who, um, is under a lot of stress, regardless of, you know, how their, their brain functions, um, is going to have trouble with executive function. So, you know, for any of us recognizing that, you know, when, when we're stressed, we're going to have a lot more problems in, in making sometimes very simple decisions. And so when you can eliminate the number of decisions that you have to make, um, you know, and when I was commuting into New York city, uh, from the New Jersey suburbs and by train, it was like an hour and, you know, you had to be on the train on time. And, you know, there was, and I wanted to get out for my run. And there was a lot of things I wanted to do before that. So sticking to the schedule was, was very important. Um, And um, so that's when I started eating the same thing for breakfast every morning so that I didn't have to think about that. And, you know, that, that not only, you know, eliminates the decision of, of what you're, preparing in the morning, but it also helps when you're shopping, you know, you don't have to think about a whole bunch of different things. You just pull the same, you know, four boxes of cereal off the shelf and you're set, Uh, you know, but then I also started hanging my clothes in the closet so that I would just pick out whatever, you know, so that it would be that, you know, that was back when we were still wearing suits and stuff like that. So, you know, my suit and my blouse and 
that would be just like right there. And when I came home at night, I just hung it on the other side and pushed everything forward. And the next outfit would be ready the next day. Um, I don't quite do that as much anymore. Um, you know, but I'm not as, as busy and as time constrained as, as I probably was then. But, um, I, I do find that any, anything you can do to, to eliminate the number of decisions that you have during the day, because there, there's some things that just doesn't matter. I mean, I always think, and I think I said this in the blog post that I always thought the fact that I ate the same thing for breakfast every day was, was like sort of lazy. And I was embarrassed to tell people about it, but then I read an article, you know, that was about, you know, managing time and, you know, managing, you know, situations like ADHD, where um, that's actually exactly what you should be doing. That's so funny, because I have had that thought too about food. I've thought, you know, you should be making more exotic meals, you should be, you know, using a cookbook to learn how to cook. And I was like, but I just don't want to. And this is easier. And I get things done when I do this. So why? Why would you complicate it? If this is working? This is working. Yeah. Boring is working. Stick with it. Yeah. Yeah, I figure I'm going to become, you know, cooking, will become my hobby when I retire. <laughs> You know, for now, I just, you know, there's just a bunch of certain things that I make and I throw it all into a bowl. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. It helps you get things done. So tell us about marathon training now. I know you said life is a lot different now than it yeah. has been. You have an adult child, um, married, and you're in Chicago, which, you know, in the pandemic, I don't know, is the pandemic over? I have no idea what's happening anymore. But how has training been this year versus, you know, past times that you've trained? Yeah. So, so this year, um, because I knew I wasn't around for Chicago marathon weekend last weekend, we had a family wedding that had already been rescheduled like three times. And I, so I knew a year ago that I wasn't going to be around for Chicago marathon weekend. So I decided to, uh, do another, pick another marathon, a fall marathon. And I want, I, I'm still chasing down that coveted BQ. So I picked, um, the, the Bucks County marathon in, um, in Washington crossing, Pennsylvania, um, which is run on the Delaware canal towpath right along the Delaware river and Delaware canal, beautiful setting and flat flatter than Chicago. There's no Mount Roosevelt's. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I've run it before. I actually ran it in 2015, five weeks after I had run Chicago and it cut like eight minutes off my time. So, um, I figured if I could do it this year without running Chicago first, um, that, you know, I could, put my all into it and, yeah. and we'll, we'll see where to go. But if I can finish in, uh, in under, uh, 410, I will qualify for New York next year. Um, and then, which will be my 25th anniversary of my first New York. And, um, and then if I can finish in under 405, I'll qualify for Boston 23. But honestly, you know, the, I, I, every marathon finish now is a gift and I'm just looking forward to doing it again. This training cycle has been a little bit more difficult, um, only because I've been doing it a lot by myself. When I trained in 2019, I wasn't really working full time and I was getting out to lots of group runs with, um, three run Two, the group that I run with here in Chicago. And, uh, and, and I was working at Fleet Feet at the time. So everything was, you know, about the marathon. And I had a lot of opportunity to talk to runners. And I just felt so like caught up in the energy in preparations for Chicago that year, where this year it's felt a little lonely. Um, um, and partly because I've been, I, I work full time with the Chicago Area Runners Association now, and we've had like lots of weekend events. So I haven't been able to get to group runs. And sometimes I've been out doing my long runs like later in the day um, after a morning event for for Kara. So um, it wasn't necessarily the ideal conditions, um, you know, so we'll see, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, 
just looking forward to doing it and to seeing what comes next. But I, you know, as I said before, I think as we get older, our relationship with running changes a little bit and it just, um, you know, it just becomes a way to, to meditate and to have mental clarity and not, you know, the competition kind of goes by the wayside. Um, and we start looking more at age graded times than, <laughs> than overall times. Yeah. Do you and your husband run together? Um, we, we, we have, um, mm-hmm. we have run probably a lot of races where, you know, whoever is the slowest sets the pace at that time. And sometimes it's him and sometimes it's me. Um, and we've done like a lot of destination races. We've gone out to, um, uh, do the surf city half marathon in Huntington beach, California, which is super bowl Sunday usually. So, um, you know, we've done that for a number of years. We went to, um, uh, Newport, Rhode Island to do a half marathon there. Um, you know, so we've, you know, and, and here in Chicago and stuff. So it really depends. Um, when we started training for, we both ran the 2019, uh, Chicago marathon, but we didn't run it together only because he was a little slower than me at that time. So, um, so, you know, it kind of just really depends on, you know, what our goals are. So, um, you know, he will tell you that in 2019, he beat me in the Bucktown 5k. So in the shorter distances, he's a little, little faster, but as, as we get into the longer distances, then I, my abilities come up and, and he's un- unfortunately sort of on the injured list right now. So that's another part of like, I haven't really had him to, to run with, um, during this training cycle. So, um, but he's, he's, he's making a comeback. Yeah. So I talk about, have you read Atomic Habits? Have we talked about that? It's like, I'm sorry, Atomic, what? Atomic Habits. No. Book. Okay. No. I, I talk about this book a lot, but one of the things that he talks about in the book is how, Um, goals are helpful. Like, right. Like knowing where you're going is helpful. Having the goal is helpful, but goals can set you up for like a yo-yo effect. You like hit the goal and then you're like, great, I'm done. I achieved it. So do you have any tips for people who finish a race and then they stop? They, like they had worked so hard for the race and then they're done. And now, and then like months later, they're like, crap, I'm starting over again. Yeah. Well, we, we've all been there. Um, you know, I, I usually try not to stop completely, but like, you know, if you, if you saw, you know, my, my Strava numbers for the last year, you'd see that it, it almost appears that I'm going from like couch to marathon, because I think (laughs) I ran 16 miles all of December last year, because, you know, and I, and I do think that, that, you know, running ebbs and flows for all of us. Sometimes that will happen in a year. Sometimes that happens over a number of years. Um, But I find that you, you do need to, to, in order to continue to be sort of a lifelong runner, which I think is something that we should all kind of strive for. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you need to take those dips. You need to take those breaks, um, because you're going to burn out, you know, or you're going to be overtrained and you're going to burn out, you know, so, um, or you're going to get injured or, or, you know, whatever. And I think that it's important to look at the year as a cycle. And if you are going to kind of goof off over the winter a little bit, then, you know, what else are you doing? Are you at least, you know, getting your 10,000 steps a day? Are you, you know, are you using this time to build strength? So, you know, so, so yeah, take a break and, you know, after a big race or a big goal, um, you know, yeah, certainly take, take an entire week off. Don't do anything, you know, take the month off, you know, a lot of times, especially when you're training for a fall marathon, you know, you, you kind of go into the holiday season and, you know, and you, you kind of want to shut down a little bit, but like, you know, set the calendar for January and, and, you know, get back out there. And it doesn't have to be like huge. Like you can just say, okay, you know, something just to kind of wake up in the morning, I am just going to do a mile on the treadmill, or I'm just going to do a mile around my block. And, and then I'm going to go in and I am going to do some core strengthening exercises, and then a quick 15 minute yoga routine, and then, you know, and then have some breakfast and get my coffee, and I'm ready to start the day, you know, so it doesn't have to be a lot, but just something to, because the thing is, you don't want to lose the habit. You know, you've, Mm -hmm. you, you, you've 
done such a great job of carving out that time and, and, and it's become a habit that you don't want to lose that completely. So you want to try to substitute it with something else that is perhaps, you know, less of a commitment, um, less strenuous, you know, not a, doesn't require as much, you know, mental capacity, you know? Yeah, no, that's so good. I tell people like, if, yeah, you're kind of like doing all when you're shooting for a marathon, you're like, you're all in. So don't do nothing. Don't do the all or nothing. Go do something. And I like what you said, like, I think it needs to be reiterated. Like it is okay to go out for a mile, (laughs) go out for a mile, your 10, 12, 15, whatever, how long it takes you to do a mile. We're like, that is okay. It doesn't always have to be a three mile run or a 12 mile. It it can be a mile. A mile is wonderful. Yeah. You just want to keep your, your muscles, um, you know, aware of that activity. You You don't want to, you don't want to let them forget you know, what running is all about. So yeah, just getting out for that mile or two. Totally. Yeah. Do you have any tips for winter, winter running? I know you live in New York and now you're here in Chicago and like, it's going to be cold soon. You know, it's funny whenever, you know, I always thought that if I moved out of the New York area, it was not going to be to someplace colder. Um, But here I am. (laughs) So, and you know, the one thing I have to say is tough around here is that I don't think there's as much um, sun as there is on the East coast. So, so in Northern New Jersey, New York city, the snow seems to melt quicker. So at least you have clear paths where I have found that there, there is definitely like weeks here where you can, you go without being able to run because, you know, the sidewalks don't feel safe or the trails have ice or snow still on them or whatever. So, you know, while we certainly like love to get outdoors and I think getting that, not just the fresh air, but, you know, some sunshine and daylight um, is really good. If you, if anybody who can afford to invest in a treadmill, um, you know, should definitely do that. I mean, I spent a lot of miles on the treadmill last winter, just getting my steps, you know, it would suddenly be nine o'clock at night and I'd be looking at my watch saying, oh my God, I still need 2000 steps. I'm going down on the treadmill, you know, but it gave me a chance to catch up on, you know, some of my Spotify, uh, you know, new, you know, releases and stuff like that. And, um, but, you know, having the treadmill was huge. Um, you know, not everybody has, you know, can make the investment in a treadmill or has the space for it. So, you know, in that case, there's a lot of affordable gym memberships. Even if, even if you just join a gym for, for the winter, um, you know, and let it lapse over the, over the summer months, um, you know, having, having some vehicle through which to do it, you just don't want to find yourself like all cooped up in your apartment, you know, especially, you know, especially with a lot of people still, you know, working remotely. Um, you know, I found myself when I first moved to Chicago and I wasn't working and I was just, you know, sitting in my apartment. Um, I, like I started going a little stir crazy as soon as winter came, I was fine when the weather was nice and I could get out and I was, you know, take my dog for long walks. But as soon as the weather got cold, I started going a little stir crazy. So, um, getting out for those runs became more important than ever. Yeah. I know that when you're talking about the the past not being, it's like one of the things that I have to do for myself every day is like, you have to leave the house, Jacqueline, you have to leave the house every day. And it might yeah. be to go for a walk. It might just be to get to the grocery store, but like leaving the house is a non-negotiable. Um, but yeah, sometimes <laughs> this, the snow gets packed down and then people stomp on it and it never gets shoveled. So you can't run. It's not safe to run. Um, but that's like, okay, Jacqueline, you're going for a walk today. I guess, I guess this week we're walking outside and, but that's the thing that you're going to do and you're going to stick with all winter. Yeah. Last, last, uh, last year for Christmas, um, Kurt and I got, um, that's my husband. Uh, (laughs) we got, um, uh, snowshoes, like, like, Mm. like, like the snowshoes that are made for running. So, um, we never did wind up using them last winter because he hurt his back. And, and so he was out for a while, but, um, this winter that's, that's yeah. what we're, we're going to try is like snowshoe wedding. So. <clears throat> yeah. That'll be interesting. <laughs> is there anything else you chatted? So like morning exercise is something you do having your coffee and meditation. Is there anything else that you make sure that you do for yourself? 
Um, self-care is really big for women, for moms, for people who are working from home and for anyone who's going to struggle over the winter, what's really important that you do every day? Yeah. So I, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but, um, I, I meditate, you know, um, after, you, you know, you know, running, as I said, was always my, my, you know, my go-to stress reliever. And then, you know, then stress got to be toxic at a point in my life where, you know, I was, you know, working full-time at a very responsible job, had a school-age child, a mentally ill husband, you know, elderly parents, you know, just, you know, toxic stress is the only way to explain it. Um, And then I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So, so then I'm like, okay, this running thing is really great, but you know, okay, maybe you need to also, you know, see a therapist. So I started seeing a therapist, which is something I'd never would have done before. And then after my husband died, that's when I started meditating and I had, um, I went and, um, got trained in transcendental meditation and, you know, for a while I was, you know, meditating 20 minutes twice a day. Um, and I felt that that was, that was huge. That really, you know, that combined with, with the running and the therapy was, was a lot of what my journey back was. Um, I don't spend that much time meditating and anymore, but, you know, I try to sit down in the morning at some point, um, at just for 10 minutes, um, just to kind of clear my mind. And I just feel like, you know, the, the, the running is great because it gets the endorphins going. Um, but the, the meditation is good too, because it, it sort of quiets the mind and, you know, gives you kind of an opportunity to just like settle in with your, with your breath. And, you know, um, I don't know how else to explain it, but it, it, it's, you know, for some, for an activity that is just so simple and quiet, it has an amazing effect. And I love about that too. Like meditation is, again, it's something that's very accessible to anyone and it's free. And there, I mean, you can go onto YouTube and you can look up like a five minute meditation, guided meditation, but like, it's very accessible. Anything that anyone can do. Yeah. 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 Um, is there anything I didn't ask today that you wanted to share with listeners? Um, I don't know. I just, um, I have a blog. You mentioned the blog. So if anybody wants to read that, it's, um, uh, the cause coach.net. Um, and I am, still at this time, even though I, I am now working full time, I, I still do take on a few uh, individual coaching clients. So there's information on my website as well about that. So awesome. Cool. And you're on Instagram too. I am on Instagram, the cause coach. Awesome. Cool. At, I'll have at the cause coach. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have the links for that in the show notes so people can find you. This was amazing. We talked about like, I, Mary, like, I just feel like the universe put me um, in the volunteer <laughs> position at Kara to meet you. So I just appreciate everything you do. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Well, you're, you're a, uh, you're a terrific volunteer and I've enjoyed getting to know you and, and developing a friendship. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll chat again. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks.